Welcome back to the Line to Game podcast. This is episode 12, reviewing week 11 of the 2022 NFL season. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always, and here, every time with me, my guy, Mike Parker. Mike, say hello to the people. How you doing, man? What's going on, people? uh what uh yeah man i'm i'm so excited to to discuss like there were some really good games this last week um you know some great games coming up i'm i'm just excited to be here bro yeah it's going to be busy we got three games slated for thanksgiving day um that's going to be pretty crazy um trying to just figure out like watch some of the games you know spend time with family we'll see how that goes yeah exactly uh I did. I saw um, a meme of it said like the happiest man on earth, and it was uh, so it was a guy like surrounded by Taco Bell wrappers and like smoking a joint, watching football, and it said something like, "This guy it's going to be ten thousand miles or two thousand miles away from all of his family." on thanksgiving just watching football and <laughs> having his living his best life has made me chuckle so uh anyway um yeah man let's you want to dig into these uh into these gambling losses from last week well i wasn't total losses but um i think i made out okay i was in the positive territory but um yeah let's get going let's talk about some of the the ups and downs of the betting life all <laughs> right you wanna you wanna kick it off? Yeah, sure. So my first uh, bet was Tennessee money line at Green Bay. It was plus one thirty six. I ended up winning that one. Um, the second one was Cleveland at Buffalo. Uh, I took the Buffalo money line with the over forty seven. Now this one got really close. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. think it was going to go over, but there was a garbage time touchdown that saved me. So that was oh, plus one twenty two, and I love I got the, that one. Vegas is so good, man. They, <sighs> they we I think we've texted multiple times yeah, about that. Yeah, definitely. Well, they definitely know their stuff. Yeah. At least, you know, hedging where they think things are going to go. I used to always listen to um, Seattle sports radio, and they would have Bino Cook, the late great Bino Cook, on yeah. every week, and he's like a call. He's like a an encyclopedia of college football history but uh he would always say he would always like give a pick at the end of his segment and he would he would say uh and he would always be wrong almost all the time but he know, knew more about college football than like anybody else and he just would say the reason that uh those guys that that work set the betting lines for vegas uh live in huge mansions and send their kids to ivy league schools is because they're smarter <laughs> than us well, you think about it, it's like not just about the, the, the teams and on a given day, right? They, they calculate everything. They, talk, they, they calculate weather. They calculate injury reports. They well, and they want, they want to set statistics. the line. Right, and they want to set the line where it gets even money on both sides, right? Cause they're, well, that's they, why it moves. Yeah, yeah. so that's you why. win it, no matter what, yeah, I guess. exactly. All right, so um, this is where things get a little dicey for me. So I had Chicago money line at Atlanta. I really thought there was an opportunity oh, too, for man, Chicago to win that game, and then the Dallas at Minnesota money line. Boy, was I wrong there. That was plus um, three eighty for that parlay, and ended up losing both of those legs. Mm. And then uh, my famed uh, Big Apple parlay um, just got <laughs> toasted in that too. I had the Jets money line over New England. Uh- I actually texted you on Sunday morning. It was like, Mike, I'm, I'm, I came and believe you did this to me. Like, are you just <laughs> like trying to screw up my head with this Zach Wilson reverse psychology now? And like, at least it came back. Well, I, I thought that they could game plan enough to keep it close, and 
fuck it if they didn't. They kept it close. It was, what, 3-3 going into the final punt, the, like with the, 10 seconds yeah. left. We'll discuss more on that. Right. But And then uh, I had <clears throat> Detroit Giants over Detroit. Uh, so that parlay was plus 82. Uh, obviously didn't win that. This one I thought was really close until about third quarter. There was a moment where it could have gone either way. Like if Arizona had scored a touchdown, I think it was 24-10. If they had scored a touchdown and then everything, they stopped scoring, I would have won uh, this because it would have been within a touchdown. I had Arizona plus eight and I had the under 43 and would have kept it under that number. I think it was 42 points going in. So, um, yeah, that uh, parlay was plus 22 and I lost both legs. See, this is I usually when I do these parlays, I win a leg. I'm 0 for 3 with the parlays with these ones i just yeah you it, it like it it takes an extra hit to your ego i feel like at least for when me you get when, them both it, wrong. when i get them or if like i do a three-teamer and i get all of them rub it's like what the, yeah. the hell's wrong with me man come on <laughs> all right so how'd you do this week uh not you know i not well not well um so i had the giants minus three against detroit i tried to buy in on on part of your uh your big apple parlay and that <laughs> blew up in my face. Um, so that was an L for sure. I had Chicago plus three at Atlanta and luckily there was a late score that, that kept that uh, at least on the, on the line. So I, I pushed that one, uh, which I guess I, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm Oh, one and one. And then the third one I had Washington minus three at Houston and all three of these games were in the early window, so I was just like, "Damn, man!" After they were after those, those the early games were over, I was just like, "All right, I didn't really have much to to keep an eye on for for my betting, but uh, at least I got that one win." So I guess I was technically down ten dollars on the day for Not the bad. big. Yeah. So. Yeah, I forgot to mention my weekly total. So I was up one hundred and fifty eight um, on the on the weekend. And so I'm sitting right now year at, uh, across the board at uh, 562 p- positive okay. 562.59. So. Yeah, I'm somewhere. I st- I didn't have a chance this week to go back and uh, review all my totals to get the the minus 110 versus uh, just saying I was betting a hundred dollars on each thing. So I will have that uh, updated total for uh, for next episode. I'm sure the audiences will be. I know they're on the edge of their breath. seat yeah. for sure. All right, well, let's get into uh, into week 11. All right, so our observations. So first, before we uh, go into that, our buys are uh, the Miami Dolphins, Seattle Seahawks, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Jacksonville Jaguars. My One of my observations, especially in the early games, was the Northeast was really windy this, this last weekend. It seemed to like really affect the New England, uh, the New York Giants, and Baltimore games pretty substantially. Like with the kicking game and, you know, what side you're going to choose. You yeah, know, that absolutely. Kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Be- Belichick was uh, kind of mind controlling the Jets in that way, like picking the side over the ball. Right. Just right. Crazy stuff. And uh, what in Buffalo? I mean, they had to get dug out of the of a snowstorm, six feet of snow. And, yeah. It's uh, like the community rallied. Yeah. Um, that I don't know if that was reminiscent of that the the snowstorm was part of that or the yeah I didn't know if the snowstorm was part of the windstorm, uh, but it's crazy how that how that hits and in less than forty eight hours you get like six feet of snow. But yeah, they did get pretty... them all on a bus. They did get them down to uh, Detroit. Yeah, and I heard a lot of the fans. Uh, they were saying a lot of fans went to the game too because it's not that far from Buffalo to Cleveland, but they had to go up through Canada. 
and drop down because there was all the snow was kind of coming from the from the east or from the west like from the i guess the southwest so they had like i guess they were they just mentioned that a couple of times during the game that when i was watching it that they like actually like a lot of the fans came through canada to get there because it was just an easier route so apparently 10 15 years ago this weather pattern is farther north so it's all it's in canada you don't see that level of uh snowfall uh, that far south in in buffalo but for some reason it comes across obviously that's dropped with the the climate change um has altered some you know weather patterns and uh, it must hit that that those great lakes and just like soak up that that water over there and just dump it right. as it passes over yeah it's it's pretty wild all right so uh first game this week on thursday was tennessee at green bay um it seems like once again mike rabel is a good coach he definitely knows who his team is and how he can get the best out of them i think is a, an important quality as a head coach they're playing lights out d uh, they're pounding green. They pounded Green Bay, um, Green Bay's D with Derrick Henry. He had 87 rushing yards, a TD, and a passing TD, little little jump pass. And uh, you know, all they needed was Tannehill to take a couple of shots downfield. He was really efficient. Uh, 22 yards, uh, or I'm sorry, 22 completions, 22 uh, attempts. That's 81%. 333 passing yards, two TDs, and a pick. Yeah, I mean. Uh... Uh, yeah, I just I love I like the Tennessee I, I just like their team I like that just smash mouth like we're gonna win in the trenches we have the best running back in the game arguably and you know we're we're just gonna keep feeding him and we're gonna let our quarterback just manage kind of hopefully not lose the game for us and yeah I mean they did it again I love Vrabel I love I, I really like that team I wouldn't I wouldn't be uh I wouldn't be upset if they ended up going to the Super Bowl from the AFC I wonder what happens when they start kind of facing some teams perhaps in the playoffs that are a little bit more stout up front I think it'd be hard to run Derrick Henry effectively as effectively as he did this weekend against let's say the Buffalo Bills so when I mean, you don't have to stack the box to stop the run it makes it a little bit more difficult for Tannehill, who isn't like the most accurate big arm quarterback, um, can can make some poor decisions sometimes. So yeah, I, I just we'll see how that happens. But you know, I think they hit Green Bay at this perfect time. They had some injuries. You know, I think came out that um, Aaron Rodgers has a thumb, a broken thumb. Yeah, so all sorts I, of yeah, I did shit. hear that too. And what I mean, uh, what's his name? Christian Watson, three or I think he's had five touchdowns the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, looking like maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers does have a couple weapons uh, out of those young wide receivers. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, next game, Chicago at Atlanta. Um, great opening drive by Atlanta in this game. Um, Fields had a good response. Um, great throw for a TD. He's kind of putting it together a little bit. Uh, he, he dislocated his shoulder in the game. They said, though. That's, yeah. I mean, I think it, I don't think it's I think it's his non-throwing shoulder, but still, that can't be good. Well, well, t- I'll touch more on kind of what his day looked like in uh, Justin Fields' watch, but um, <laughs> you're like, shut up about his performance today. <laughs> no, gonna, no, it's fine. Talk about his performance. We'll I'm talk about the hard numbers when we get down okay. there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, made a mistake towards the end of the game um, right. with the with the interception. Uh, I really thought. 
man, sometimes I, th- I think the defense is a little bit better than they are sometimes. Mariota just held it together. I yeah. mean, I couldn't – there's really nothing else to say. Well, Jesus Christ, after his last game, like that was the one of the – I think I texted you during that game. And said, I was expecting a, a bit of worst, a regression. Yeah, yeah, I was like, this is the worst quarterback performance I've seen all year. And that's just because I hadn't watched many Jets games yet. So, anyway, go ahead. No, that's all I had for that game. <laughs> that's that's pretty much the long and the short of it, really. Yeah. All right. All right. Next game is Cleveland at Buffalo uh, from Detroit. Um, we had uh, a great opening drive by Cleveland. They looked really good. Amari Cooper was just single-handedly destroying the Buffalo Bills. No, he uh, looked def- great. He looked amazing. Um, got just another example. Uh, I'm going to... But uh, Dallas is going to catch some shrapnel here. Uh, just another example of poor personnel decisions by the Cowboys God, letting him go. No kidding. Could you imagine him? Like we talked, I think we talked about Amari Cooper a few weeks ago about how his demeanor doesn't look like he has a passion for stuff. He just goes out there and grinds and does what he's supposed to right. do. But he's not like an excitable guy apparently. And that's being misconstrued as a lack of passion. And they want to bring passionate people into play for the Cowboys. Right. So it's like. <laughs> When you when you take away that talent, that guy that can run those routes, that can that can beat man coverage, that can get open and make you know easy throws, and then obviously shift the defense to him to try and counter that and leave CD Lamb, who's a really good number two. Right. Um, I just I think it was like a perfect little you know thing to have, and I think they really messed that up. He's a good he's a good receiver for sure. Absolutely. They were picking on uh, Cleveland was picking on Hamlin, uh, number three, one of the Buffalo defensive backs. Um, man, I, I was like, why are they just like hammering this dude? But he was kind of chasing most of the day. I was wondering the whole time. I wonder if uh, this, if Hamlin's related to uh, Ken Hamlin, the former Seahawks safety. Not sure. I mean, I'm sure we can IMDb it at I some will, point. I'll but... find out at some point and let you guys know. Well, ultimately, <laughs> Buffalo won the game by quite a bit. So, yeah, it was, uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, they, they definitely flexed on him. Josh Allen still didn't – he just doesn't look – Wasn't looking crisp. Doesn't, yeah. But he didn't make not. those boneheaded decisions in the um, in the red zone this But week, that so. – I mean, he's got that arm injury, and I think that's definitely playing a role. On I don't what, know, man. He's barreling – he's running over people. I know. So. But I'm saying, like, just on his – I think he's – I think he's running more right now than he has uh previously because uh i just think he's i think he's worried about throwing i I think there's something in his head that he doesn't think he's got everything on his throws right now but if you look at his red zone interceptions it's not about arm strength or arm talent or accuracy or anything like that he's throwing into blatant double coverage i mean he those two picks to um patrick peterson were like he should have never thrown those balls That's that's a mental block yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. Philly at Indianapolis. Um, my initial reaction was Philly looks really discombobulated. They weren't playing very good. Um, the officials are, were really calling um, offensive pass interference on those rub routes um, in a legal man um, downfield uh, for their RPOs. It, it basically, if this starts to be a thing where they're where that's their whole offense, the rub routes and the RPOs. Yeah. So if they start calling, continuing to call these two things on Philly for the rest of the year, like, you know, a note goes out to uh, the NFL that says, hey, we just played Philly. They're basically picking us. Watch the film. Right. And then they get a call to the people who are on that, the, the team that are, you know, officiating that Philly game and they 
focus on that. It could be a problem for them. Like, let's yeah. keep that in our back of our mind. If we see a lot of offensive pass interference and illegal man downfield calls uh, in yeah. those games and see how they I can actually, adjust I actually I noticed that. a lot of illegal man downfield calls this week just in general, not even just in – I mean, that game, obviously, there were quite a few, but um, I saw it in, a, in, in, like, two or three other games as well that there was – you know, they must be – must be something they're really keeping an eye on right now or a focus of the, the officiating. Well, I think it's hard for linemen, like when they know it's going to be a pass, to sit there and engage, and you've got to get to your second and third level to get downfield. And like, even if the, the ball waits a half second or whatever too long, you're already three yards downfield. So it's tough, but I guess you just got to watch out for it. Yeah, but yeah, Philly, I was, I was shocked that they – I thought they were going to come out firing on all cylinders after that loss uh last week and and they just did not look good and they i i mean they probably should not have won this game at the end of the day um yeah you're probably right i think indianapolis played well enough to win that game there's no question um i think for me i go this is there's always going to be in a championship team there's going to always be games where you have to fight and claw to get to win that game. And sometimes it's just a point at, and it doesn't matter. You, you yeah. put it behind you, you, and you move on to the next thing. You got shitty refs and you win, you put it behind you and you move right. forward. You can't run the ball this week. You put it behind you and you move forward as best you can. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good on them for, for coming back and, uh, and pulling that one off. All right. So next we have the New York jets and new England Patriots. Um, I felt like the two missed field goals by Nick Folk was the difference throughout most of the game. I mean, that would have put them up. You know, uh, the, the Jets couldn't do much of anything. Um, now, this this <clears throat> this replaced Marcus Mariota as the worst quarterback performance that I've seen this year. Uh, Zach Wilson. I, I can't even believe that I thought Zach Wilson was. I don't know. Throwing an interception from your ass is still a pretty big no-no. Yeah. Um, but still, it, it, they – <laughs> they i saw like a, a meme or something on twitter that said that they the jets in the second half of the game averaged 2.77 inches per play it's <laughs> ridiculous oh my god yeah they were terrible i think they only had like 30 yards or 20 yards or something in the second half of the game yeah obviously 3-3 <laughs> leading up to the very last uh, they you know jets had a three and out so new england uh, they beat the Jets for the 14th consecutive time That's on an 84-yard uh, punt return for a touchdown with less than 10 seconds left. That's how that game ended. I wa- I watched that game. I wa- I watched the end of that game, and I c- was in just disbelief. Like, it was insane. Saucer eyes. Yeah. Like, what is it's happening? It's crazy. Right it was crazy completely. See, it wasn't that far fetched. I knew it was. I mean, I couldn't have called the the line on this game to save my life but i thought if that i thought the defense of the jets has been playing very very well um they they, they can run the ball they did absolutely they did and if they could just get some decent quarterback play well and then after the game zach wilson you know like he basically is asked if he thinks he let the defense down and he's like no and i saw uh it was very fun monday night countdown uh i think they had Steve Young, who also went to BYU, uh, uh, you know, Zach Wilson went to BYU, Steve Young went to BYU. Booger McFarlane was like, sorry, this is some, basically like, this is some freaking white privilege. Like, this kid grew up rich, 
like doesn't know the and Steve Young like was no you can't say that well like it, it was he was getting really pissed off it was it was a pretty contentious uh, back and forth between can Burger he say it probably shouldn't say it in that form do I think it's true I do <laughs> I get that I he's just like you can't like he's like no you cannot say that that you didn't let your team down because you it, because of how terribly you played when you. Like I just said, 2.77 inches per play in the second half. That's just disgusting. I was going to do some like comparisons of, of Zach Wilson's game later, but let's just do that shit now. Okay. So right. I was trying to find comparable people to what his skill set is, and I focused on four things, I, like arm, legs. I put hubris, but kind of like your mentality of how you kind of approach the, the game, yeah. and then decision-making. So for arm, I have him as Matt Stafford. I think he has a strong arm. He can push it downfield, no question. Yeah. Um, his legs, I look at uh, maybe an Aaron Rodgers, somebody that can scramble and get outside, isn't going, you know, isn't bowling people over like, you know, Josh Allen or Justin Fields, but can do that bootleg and throw on the run. I think he's got more. I think he's got like he's probably faster. Yeah, and has yeah. More. I was uh, trying to find somebody that doesn't do a lot of north south running, but is, it reminds me of he reminds me of Steve Young. I think you're probably going for like actual guys that are playing right now. Well, I, I thought like in no no no. I think Steve Young. I was thinking about him. Okay. But I thought like he was more of a north south runner. Like he would take the you know like in do a quarterback draw or something like that, get downfield. I thought, and I thought he's a, I didn't want to, I wanted to give Steve Young more credit, I guess. Okay. I don't see Aaron Rodgers, even Pat Mahomes. They kind of have this thing where they can pick up 10, 15 yards in a first down when they need to, but you're not really scared of them just breaking you down. Like, well, yeah, like my whole thing is like he would, the thing that was exciting to me, because I watched quite a few BYU games his last year there. And I just felt like, like he, I think the Jets should put like when once, uh, you know, it, it, and I don't think it's come out yet whether or not he's been benched for for this next week, but um, it's kind of up in the air, that, you know, and kind of looking like it's probably going to be him sitting sitting on the bench. But lose your new quarterback once, or lose the team. Once that's your well, choices. Yeah, like coach. one. But once they get him back in there, they think he's you know if if he comes back in this year or you know or if he's or if he plays this week, I think they need to figure out some designed running plays for him. Yeah, you use that. Um, I'm blanking on the kid's name that the running back there. Uh, Carter? Carter, Michael Carter. You know, you got to do some some RPO stuff with him. like Because I, I, that was his whole game at BYU. Like, get get him doing some things he's comfortable with, I think, is what you got to do to get him his mind right. I don't know. It'll be interesting. But anyway, let's go ahead. So what, what are the so other? So my next one is hubris. So on a scale, a hubris scale is Andrew Luck on one end. Uh-huh. And and Johnny Manziel on the other, <laughs> and I have his hubris as Johnny Manziel. Yeah, I have him on close. that end of the scale. And then finally, decision. He might making. not be as much of an asshole as Johnny Manziel seemed like. I don't was, know. I don't I, know. He, I think Johnny Manziel's more honest about it. Uh, that's probably true. Yeah. Okay. So that makes Zach more of an asshole that's because true. he's not at least <laughs> that's true. projecting to the world <laughs> that that he's an asshole. Yeah. All right. Decision making. I have Carson Wentz. Can't argue, man. So can't argue with that. Big sacks, overthrows. Like you don't know who what he's seeing. I mean, it's like spot on as far as I'm concerned. So that was my kind of thought I had a couple days ago. Like I wanted to see how we could 
you know they do that thing where like the arm of this guy right. the legs of this guy <laughs> yeah. the head of this you know yeah all right cool enough yeah, about Zach. enough about that. zach wilson yeah, let's move let's... on to the rams another <laughs> tr- troubled team uh versus new orleans um i thought the rams uh d look like they were playing a more inspired game this week um uh, hot take Stafford is better than uh, Wofford. I mean, he came back and they looked like, you know, he was, they were playing a bit better yeah. offensively, but ultimately they just, yeah. And he can't do it. And he got concussed again during yep. the game. So who knows what, you know, what his, I mean, cause that's what second or third one this season already. So it's I think like, it's his second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And two and three weeks. A few weeks. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see like how long. Cause he... that's how, that's how it goes. Like Troy Eggman, like, Oh, now I have, instead of getting a concussion every, you know, five weeks or six weeks, now I'm getting a concussion every three weeks. Right. Now I'm getting a concussion every game. And it's like, it's time to retire. Yeah, that guy's made a lot of money and won a Super Bowl ring, man. It might be time to hang it up. Well, the Saints won going away on this one. There wasn't really anything spectacular about it. Do you have anything else to add for this? No, it was okay. just uh, shout out Tutu Atwell, I guess. But no. <laughs> yeah? Got his first touchdown, yeah. right? Yeah. First, yeah, first touchdown of his career. Um, so let's go to Detroit at the Giants. Uh, Detroit is competing. Um, and I, I wrote in, in real time, let's see how they lose. And I had to have a correction. I was like, maybe it's Danny Dimes that loses the game. Yeah. So that's pretty much for me. Like Detroit competes every week. There's no question. But there's like these little things that they do sometimes that just they're in the red zone and they get a false start. There's just the the details are not there. It seems with the Dan Campbell, um, with the Dan Campbell team. Right. So, no, they they it was a hell of a performance though, man. Yeah. They they look good. Um, you know, Jared Goff looked all right. The the running game looked good with Jared uh, Goff, top fifteen quarterback in the league yeah, this year. Probably. And Jamal Williams got in the end zone three yeah. times. That was that, that was, was pretty nice. spectacular, yeah. Um yeah, I mean I, I was I was surprised. I I did obviously we both picked this game for the Giants, uh not not expecting much from Detroit. Uh, anxious to see how Detroit uh, plays against what Buffalo uh, on Thanksgiving Day. That'll be that'll be a good test to see, um, you know, if they can get up again for a big game. Yeah, we got a couple other kind of bad games to look at. Um, so let's talk Carolina at Baltimore. Um, this is the only thing that I wrote here. Baltimore offense looks bad. It. I could not believe that. They couldn't score. What that game was three to three in the third quarter, right. fourth quarter. I don't know. Somewhere it was. It was. It was definitely the second half. It was three to three. I'm wondering if Lamar Jackson requiring all that guaranteed money was a mistake. Yeah, I mean, because he was going to get paid. He just wasn't going to get it all guaranteed. Um, and I, I think he might have made a mistake because I, I, I believe his stock. He still in my opinion, a top five quarterback, but I feel like his stock is dropping. You know, he's made a couple of bad, the board's made a couple of bad decisions. There's some layoffs coming. That stock price is just ticking down and ticking down. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I really like Lamar Jackson. I just, yeah, I mean, I think he has no... He's not running like... He doesn't have any weapons, man, other than Mark Andrews. Like, who's... But he never really has, though. No, he hasn't, but that's not, I mean... 
I think the what the year he won the MVP, he had somebody at wide receiver that was pretty good. I can't remember. I thought it was Marquise Brown and they, well, he had Marquise Brown and I don't know if he well was they got there. Duvernay. I mean, they got some they got some people those guys that can actually good. catch the ball. Yeah, but those are not good receivers. Those aren't even top twenty receivers in the NFL. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. I just go. I'm I'm not sure that he had much more over the last four or five years. Um, yeah. And he looks different. He's not throwing those yeah, passes I think he's to the back of the end zone like I think he he's definitely being cautious and and not he I mean I'm sure he does not want a ton of interceptions on his resume going into free agency you know I wonder I mean? if this means that he's going to go on the open market like he will not be a Baltimore Raven next year uh, it's, it's let's put be that let's put that in our back pocket absolutely because if be you're protecting yourself you know you're going to definitely hit the market right yeah, I mean, you're yeah. you're on a team right now that's paying you. And, I mean, I think, and if you're planning to sign for that team, yeah, you are going to play hard because you you want to get success for the team that you're going to play with, right? But if if he's holding back in any way, that to me indicates that he's hitting the market, and that's going to be a market that I don't think Baltimore wins. Right. Well, I mean, the, yeah, but at at the end of the day, Baltimore controls the narrative on this whole thing because they can just franchise tag him. And they is he unrestricted? He's unrestricted, though. It doesn't matter. You can still use a franchise tag. Not on an game. unrestricted free agent. Yeah, you can. Restricted free agency is different than yeah. Restricted free agency, I think, means you can get like the transition tag or something like that. Also, but, but you but yeah, does, anybody can get. But the franchise somebody tag. somebody can outbid. Though can't they? Yeah, oh, yeah, somebody could. Yeah, but then that that team would. Uh, well, it depends if they give the exclusive rights franchise tag that means that you have to give two first round draft picks if you can sign lamar jackson but then you have to give them two first right, round let's draft not picks. let's not debate this on the um on the pod we'll we'll dig into kind of some because okay. that would be a good uh maybe kind of take take corner conversation yeah all right let's parking lot that we'll do some research and we'll get back to you we don't want to sound like a couple assholes talking about things we don't know well, about i yet. i do know but I, <laughs> I so i don't have to worry about that but maybe just anyway. one so i don't know all right are we are we done with carolina at baltimore <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, let's beat that going. one into the ground all right washington at houston um i just wrote in here uh ewing theory warning heineke looks way better than wentz full stop i mean this game was pretty much over in the beginning houston looks like the worst team in the league I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, it's and I I'm enjoying watching the the uh, commanders with T- Taylor Heineke. I think he's they're fun to watch. I he I don't know what it is about him. I just I like him. He's got a little little bit of uh, just that gunslinger mentality, even though. But he doesn't turn the ball over. He makes plays and he gets super excited when he does and and the team seems to rally around him it's and fun he gets to watch. A, and he buys himself a pair of jordans after <laughs> each victory so he's really motivated there love it all right las vegas at denver this game was i think um one of the ones that made me pretty happy this uh, this week so um i might to start it off i go uh, which team wants to lose this game that was my first note as the game started uh-huh. which team's gonna lo- which team wants to lose it um, ultimately, it was Denver. Um, Las Vegas looked like they didn't want to want to win the game for for most of it. Um, I didn't think they were going to be able to move the ball against the Denver D. And then, um, you know, in in overtime, 
So apparently Adams had set up the Denver D earlier in the game, um, running a stacked post route, which went for an explosive play in the first half. So in this case, he they do, you know, they run two stack posts. So you got one guy low, one guy high, which was Adams. He hit him on the other on the left hash mark, and it was for like a 21 yard gain. And then OT, uh, they ran that same formation, um, but Sertan jumped that um, stack post route, and and then um, left Devonte Adams wide open over the top. Well, Devonte broke the the post and ran the corner. Oh, so yeah, he fake yeah. post and went ran corner, and right. then Sertan dropped, uh, you know, jumped, jumped the, post the post, and he was right, wide yeah. open for the corner. So that's ended. That's what ended up happening. Just kind of setting up players. I, I cheered so loud at the end of this game. When, like, I'm surprised you didn't hear me yelling over here. I was, <laughs> I was so jacked up, man. I was, I was probably yelling the same. Uh, I was, was like so fantastic. happy that this was such an important game uh, for me. Um, we well, we we broke. Me and you went over the uh, the Broncos' remaining schedule, trying to figure out like where we see them getting a win. Yeah. And I think before that, like we were like on, it was either going to be, I think the rate, I thought the Raiders and the Carolina game um, next week were the two games that I felt like they, the the two that I felt like they had the best chance of uh, winning a game the rest of the way. Weird stat I saw the other day. If Denver could average 18 points a game, they'd be nine and one. That's how good the defense is playing. Yeah. I mean, the defense is insane. Yeah is insane yeah and yeah they're just getting yeah they're getting a cha- that's a championship defense for sure all right that aside here we go dallas at minnesota the dallas d's playing out of their minds mm-hmm. they sacked Kirk Cousins seven times i thought dak looked sharp uh 22 for 25 276 yards passing and two tds tony pollard uh was huge uh had um 80 yards uh, rushing, 109 receiving, and two TDs. Two receiving TDs. So they just dominate. And obviously a lot of that stats that Dak has, um, 100 yards of it essentially, is attributed to uh, what Tony Pollard did out there. So he, yeah. he was the big winner that day. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, um, I, I think the that Dallas running game just looks different with Tony Pollard kind of leading the way more than Ezekiel. Ezekiel Elliott's still getting in the end zone when he does when he's playing. I mean, I know he's he's been kind of in and out of the lineup over the last few weeks, but uh, yeah, I just I, I I like the way that I mean, it's seen, I don't really like it because I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan, but yeah. it, they're they're definitely looking good, man. Seem like they're in a good. I, I mean, yeah, I feel like the NFC is wide open right now. Well, sure. Zeke's better in pass protect, and Zeke's better in power. Yeah. But I think Tony Pollard just looks more explosive and all of those things. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And what's our uh, – so that was a Sunday night game, right? Uh, that was – I know. I thought it was a Saturday, a Sunday afternoon. A Sunday okay. night was uh, KC – Chargers. That's right. My bad. All right. So this was a, yeah, these are the late games. Um, okay. And this is the final late game. Um, it's Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Um, I wrote down literally Burrow versus Pittsburgh D. I mean, that's what we're, I mean, forget about the rest of uh, the Steelers and forget about the rest of um, Cincinnati. Um, 
there was an amazing pick by TJ. The body control on that to be able to pull that in. And then watching Joe Burrow after witnessing that just kind of just be like, oh. <laughs> that was what pretty the? Um, And I also thought uh, that. TJ Watson is just a monster, man. Yeah, just, I don't know. I think there's so many things that you have to know, even as a defensive lineman. It's you're trying to get to the quarterback, but you you realize that you're not going to get there in time, right? So then right. you have to think. You have to think it like it's like fractions of seconds to process this. Get your get up, get up, get up, hands up, and then as the ball hits your hands, like having the wherewithal, wherewithal to just. Like grab it out of the air right because you kind of go up with your hands wide open to, sh- to knock it down right so it's really difficult to do that it's yeah it's talented no it's not not that is not an easy play one of the sure. things that i had a tough time when i was playing and foot uh, when i played football was you know processing things um as they were happening that was something the speed of the game even in high school was very i think i started in junior high school even in junior high school it was very it's very fast. I never played a pickup game that fast. There wasn't a lot of things I did in my life where I had to have a head on the swivel like that. So it was, you know. Yeah, I, I completely understand, man. All right. So I also, th- I, Tyler Boyd, um, he doesn't look like he wants to play. He came he in the in the fourth quarter. He looked like he made some plays to get them to the win, but like yeah. the entire game, he's moping around and dropping balls and like, ugh. Yeah, I've seen like, Stefan Diggs the last couple of weeks has has kind of looked similar, where you know like he he gets shut out and uh, I think he I want to say he got shut out in like the first half of the game, um, against Cleveland and then like was literally like throwing a fit on the sideline and then ended up getting catching a touchdown and having, yeah. having a big second half. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I think that's just one of these wide receiver things, man. If you don't think like you're, you're, you know, you're not getting the ball enough, you're just moping around and pissy. And, you know, then once you, you know, then you saw with Ty, uh, Tyler Boyd though, in the fourth quarter, man, he, he did make some big plays and, um, you know, help secure that win. So, yeah, I don't want to get too into it, but I go like, Stefan Diggs might have a little leeway with me as a coach. Right. Tyler yeah. Boyd. Tyler is Boyd, your, maybe not. <laughs> your slot receiver, your you know, he's wide receiver three at best. You know, maybe maybe try to have a little bit um more effort, you know, throughout the game and see what happens. At that level, when you're at one, you've put in the work to get there. It's not like you just are physically gifted. Right. Like Stefan Diggs isn't the biggest receiver. He's not the fastest receiver. He runs great routes, has great hands. He puts he puts work in. Not to say that Boyd doesn't, but you're a wide receiver three. Can you get to a two? Can you get to a one? Right. Like all of those types of things. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I'm I'm interested in seeing. Uh, yeah, how I, I'm excited for Cincinnati. I did hear Jamar Chase may be back sooner than later. He's an alien. Like yeah, the guy get it. The guy's a freak. So he's he's. Uh, going through his rehab really well we'll see i'm 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 holding my um cincinnati stock at the moment okay i don't know i'm not i'm not i don't know if it's rising or falling i'm just holding it we'll see i haven't decided one way all right let's talk about this sunday evening game um i thought it was a fantastic game um casey at the chargers um both teams were moving the ball very well in the first quarter um but there were a lot of field goals so it just like big chunk yards. They worked, they worked well between the twenties, um, but had a tough time getting into the end zone. Um, there was 
a great Mahomes throw to Fortson. That I guess there was a reception probability of like 31% that that was going to be complete. Wow. And he just found a way to get that in there. Um, and then uh, there were, right after that was the Kelsey TD, uh, one of three, I believe, on the day for Kelsey. Man, Kelsey is something else. Yeah. He, like, I saw people kind of overreacting to this. Like, slow your roll. Like, I still don't think he's better. People are saying he's, like, the best tight end ever. I still don't think he's better than Gronkowski. But, because uh, Gronkowski was, you know, doing that for years. But, uh, in a different way, though. Like, yeah, Gronkowski I mean, was different. Just, yeah, yeah, just he, overwhelmed people with yeah. his physicality. Um, so, I thought after that, I think it was the first Kelsey touchdown, the KC defense started to settle in a bit. Um, they only allowed seven points in the second half, and they sacked uh, Justin Herbert five times. So I thought that was a really good, solid performance by the KCD. Um, the Chargers had both of their starting you know, receivers back in there, Mike Williams and uh, Keenan Allen. So um, it looked Justin Herbert looked like he was pushing downfield quite a bit. Uh, especially in that uh, their first touchdown was like a 60-yard bomb. Um, so, yeah, they look good, but the, the defense really stepped up there for KC. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I was uh, – yeah, I'm just – I'm impressed. I think that Patrick Mahomes is – and we've talked about this a little bit over the last couple of weeks with kind of our, our quarterback tiers and things like that. I think – I think you have to put him in. It's just he's by himself, man. Like, there's nobody else like him in the NFL right now. Mahomes magic. That's that's how they won that game. Period. Absolutely. I will say that my favorite version of Justin Herbert showed up for this game. Like I said, with those huge throws downfield. Yeah, I love to see no, him. Just he was, like, he looked good. He yeah, just finally had his receivers back. Yep. Although I did see that um, Mike Williams is is not trending in a good direction for the like he re-injured his the ankle, ankle during yeah. that game so with the catch he came down yeah, in bounds yeah but it kind of tweaked his ankle right again. and you could see his ankle really did twist up pretty bad i was i was happy he was able to hold on to that ball but um yeah it was a it was a fun game to watch i thought oh yeah really entertaining all right any other comments on that game no no all I right let's head good. over to san francisco at arizona they uh played in mexico city on monday night I thought Jimmy G was pretty efficient, uh, 20 for 29, 69%, 228 passing yards, and four TDs. That's that's the big thing there. Um, he seemed to be getting um, – he, he gets along very nicely with uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, it seems like he takes more chances downfield when he has a legitimate safety valve. So that's an interesting thing to watch. Are they going to get better uh, because Jimmy isn't check down Jimmy? He's pushing the ball downfield a little bit more because he knows he has a, a really good uh, route running player that knows how to find you know open spaces, can catch the ball and, and get some yak once he does. So, I guess when you have uh, confidence in a player like that, you can you can take some stuff down, you can take some chances downfield. Um, so Twitter uh, and the internet in general are undefeated in my book. Um, they were show like his you know, Jimmy G cut like they're showing the um on the pregame show or whatever they're showing Jimmy G walking into the stadium just looking dapper like suited up you know guys just like chiseled chiseled uh face and all this and then they show Colt McCoy walking in like with a baseball hat on backwards it like looks like he's you know going going to just work. put the horses <laughs> <Yeah>. away <laughs> yeah they're just like you, 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 that that's not fair they're like that's not fair you can't do that 
So anyway, no, it was it was a. I mean, you know, it was cool. Like I I love the vibe in Mexico. Seemed really great. Um, yeah, it was, it was like a. I mean, I it was like a. I couldn't decide if everybody walking in with the Mexican wrestling masks was appropriating or whether that was something that would be acceptable. I couldn't. Yeah, I, I couldn't know. quite figure that one out yet. The, the what do they call lucha libres or something like that? Yeah, I'm not You're, sure. Yeah, but there was at least two two guys that walked into the into the stadium with with those on. I just go. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'll, yeah. Well, George, I heard George any Kittle no, no got was given a mask and Yankee wore it to the podium in the post game show too. Uh-huh. Okay. Calm down, guys. So, like I mentioned before, this is one of the games that I bet on. Um, there was a point in the game where the score is twenty four to ten. And I thought if Arizona could score a TD, it would go 24-17. That would hit Arizona plus eight and the uh, under point total. Then, unfortunately, um, San Francisco rattled off 14 more points. And the San Francisco D pretty much handled the Arizona O. This pretty much, I don't know if it destroys Ewing theory um, related to Colt uh, Colt McCoy as the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. But um, I wonder if somebody that was a little bit more mobile in uh, this scenario could keep the defense a little bit more honest. When you have a week to game plan for Colt McCoy, I mean, do you, especially when you're that good? Like, well, I think uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Kyler Murray warmed up. Before, it, it was like a game time decision. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess they didn't really have a whole week to game plan for well, him. Well, I think by, by the time Colt McCoy was walking into the stadium, they knew he yeah, was the starter. Yeah, but yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Um it gets a little bit easier to start teeing off on guys. You want to go tempo. Yeah. That's what that's what Colt McCoy is. Tempo, get to your spot, right. I'll get it to you. The problem is is if you if you do that tempo and you get behind the sticks, it it really destroys, you know, what you can do with the, with the with game with play calling. Cuz yeah. cuz you're stuck in, you know, second and 8 versus second and five right and you know you don't have a lot of you're not given the game plan all to him and he doesn't have really the ability to go out there and um ad lib no that's true man all right um yeah i I was uh i I still had fun watching the game it did get out of hand at the end there um but you know good for the 49ers i guess there you go all right that's it for the games uh for week 10 let's take a look at what we have for week 11 Um, So I'll start off. I doubled down on Thanksgiving Day, and I took the money line for all of the underdogs. This is a big play. Okay. All right, so I took, obviously, Buffalo at Detroit. I took the Detroit money line plus 350. I took the Giants money line over Dallas plus 350. I took New England money line at Minneapolis or Minnesota uh, plus uh, 116. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, just throwing it out there, throwing stuff against the wall, see what happens. Um, my next ones are a little bit more realistic, I suppose. I got Denver. I took the Carolina money line um, versus Denver and the under at 36 and a half. That's plus 258. Um, I got Cincinnati at Tennessee money line um, plus 110. And then a Chicago money line at Jets. Okay. Um, for 164. Now I'm thinking like, I don't know that now with the Jets defense being so good, like what, are, and, and the, 
Bears offensive line being so bad. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. So we'll see. It either, I, it's either a big Justin Fields day or they're going to get destroyed on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Okay. Is that your last one? That's it. That's all I have. All right. So I actually ended up – I was, like, back and forth on the Jets and Chicago game, and <clears throat> I ended up going with the Jets Ooh. minus four and a half at Chicago. Because just because of the Justin Fields injury, I'm like I don't know how, you know he, even when he's healthy, he makes like one just terrible play every game. Even yeah. though he does so much great stuff, I just right. feel like that Jets defense is so good. And I have a feeling I that there, sure. I have a feeling either Zach Wilson's having a come to Jesus moment this week, or somebody else is going to be the starting quarterback this week. So whatever. That may be Mike White sighting. Uh, yeah, Mike White, Joe Flacco. We'll see what happens. Um, but I think either of those guys probably at least give a little bit of a spark to the offense because um, I think Flacco's holding a newspaper on the sidelines right now. Well, Garrett Wilson was pissed after that last game. Um, he just was like, "What the hell are we doing on offense? Like, we have to be better. This is ridiculous." Blah blah blah. So I, I'm I'm gonna just I'm gonna roll with the Jets. At minus four point five against Chicago, um, Woo-hoo. see what happens. Let's um, go. I have Minnesota minus two and a half uh, versus New England. I I think uh, Minnesota needs a big win. I think they are. They've been, uh, you know, they've been put to the test a little bit this uh, this last couple of weeks. Um, and really all season, like they've, they've won a lot of really close games. I think that, uh, I think their defense though, can, can, uh, hang with, with, uh, that new England offense with Mac Jones is not, not the greatest, uh, not, ha- not no. having the greatest season by any means. So I'm interested to see that one. I think, so I, I took Minnesota minus two and a half, took, uh, the New York giants plus nine and a half at Dallas. I hate these big point spreads, but I just feel like. Saquon Barkley still plays for the Giants, and I want—I can't wait to see him uh, matched up against that Dallas defense. I think that'll be a good one. Uh, I'm just gonna—I'm I'm, hoping—holding uh, out hope that the Giants can keep it within uh, double digits. So, uh, and then my last game is Baltimore minus four at Jacksonville. I just think this is a get-right game for the Baltimore offense, uh, or it needs to be one one of the, <laughs> needs one to be. or the other. Your back's so, against the wall. Yeah, Do something. Yeah. So, uh, and, and there wasn't—I mean, there wasn't a ton of games. I, I would have gone with the uh, with the Seahawks against the Raiders. I just hate betting on my my team because I can't really uh, be bi- You know, I'm, I can't be can't unbiased. Be objective, yeah, yeah. I can't be objective. Uh, and I did see it was weird because the I think the Seahawks are minus three and a half point favorites. But the FPI index or whatever, ESPN's FPI index, says that the Raiders have like a 55% chance of winning the game outright. So uh, that was uh, surprising to me. It's a home game for Seattle. Yeah, not a, not a lot of Seattle love. And they're three-and-a-half-point favorites. Not a lot of, not yeah, a lot of so. Seattle love, I guess. Anyway, all right. All right, is that it? That was my last one. Fingers crossed we pull some money out of this out of this rabbit. We this need hat. it. We need it, Mike. <laughs> keep this keep the train rolling. All right. So let's go to Jeremy's question of the week. So you posed a couple of questions. Um, and I think the first one was how much does coaching impact a veteran quarterback play? Yeah. Um, just I'm curious to 
specifically, you know, Russell Wilson switches teams, right? It's got a new offense he's learning yeah. now with, with Nathaniel Hackett or whoever the hell is calling plays over there now. I don't know, Gary Q, uh, Kubiak's son. Yeah, yeah, they um, switched already. Anyway, and then Matt Ryan going from Atlanta. You know, Matt Ryan, and he's been a little bit better the last couple weeks, but he's never looked this bad in his career. So I wonder what how much impact that was. And then even on a lesser level, Josh Allen – you know, he looked really great at the beginning of the season, but right. kind of as the season's progressed, you know, he lost Brian Dable to the Giants. Now Ken Dorsey's the one calling the plays. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, where where do you stand on on uh, how, how important are QBs uh, – or how, how important is QB coaching, especially when it comes to veteran quarterbacks yeah. like that to you? So generally speaking, I think it affects quarterback play a lot. Okay. And there's no question about it. It's not necessarily because the, vet, the veteran quarterback has much of a higher ceiling – and was being held back necessarily by the previous coach. Sometimes uh, with new, regi- new regimes, the lines of communication open up. Coaches have ask questions. What, what do you like? What do you feel about these formations, et cetera? So I think if you just have like changes in coach or coaches that are more open to working with the players and, and, and utilizing their expertise and knowledge of the team and the game, I think you're going to see more production. Now, I did call out the three gentlemen that you had mentioned. So first, let's discuss Russell Wilson. Word on the street from both Seattle and Denver is that he's a difficult, he's very difficult to deal with. He's got his own office and buildings. You got, in order to talk to him, you got to go to his, uh, his assistant and other weird stuff. He won't do specific things like wear a wristband uh, call sheet for situations you know, um, that require faster game pace. Week. Is he wearing one this he, week? He wore one at the uh, his press conference, like before, uh, yeah, going into. Well, this that's game just to shine week. him on, yeah, probably. Right, yeah, probably. Um, I don't really think this type of player can be coached very well. I think he has a very specific idea of who he is and who he wants to be, and he's going to try to find. That's why he went to Denver. He wanted to find some place that was on, close, closest to that fit for him. That's going to touch on one of my things in Tate Corner. So okay, um, for me, for this type of player. Uh, a team just has to deal with it and it's easy while they're winning or cut him once he's outlived his usefulness. I mean, I think there's going to be a smaller window for a player like this, unable to adapt. Um, he can look great for three to five years, but it's not going to look much. It's not going to go on much longer than that. I also have uh, Matt Ryan now limited uh, physically doesn't, didn't have the biggest arm. Wasn't that fast. Uh, he seems very coachable and thus a good coach can have a huge impact on his performance. For example, the aforementioned MVP season with Carl Shanahan as OC. Um, at this point, it's father time that's preventing significant growth. So what you get with him is what it's, he's a known entity, right? Yeah. And he will listen to you and he will coach and he, he will get coached and he will work hard and you can trust him to do certain things and recognize the defense and make the throw that he thinks is uh, appropriate. He might miss a couple of times. He's going to get sacked a lot. He's going to get the ball out early. If you play within those constraints and you know, you have a good, you probably get him for a season or two. And, and then we talk about Josh Allen uh, I said specifically YOLO Josh Allen. Yo. So he's still young, and his improvement over the past three or four seasons indicate that he does have the ability to grow as a player. Um, okay. At this point, I think he has all the fe- uh, physical tools. He's a great football player. He just needs to take small wins some side, sometimes. 
Yeah. Um, and I think the one thing as a coach, I don't know if this is necessarily an X's and O's thing that can be coached in him, but you have to like go, you have to talk to him about in those moments, what you should, what should, what should you have done right here that to prevented that throw and that interception when we, you should have thrown it out of bounds. You should right. have run for the first down. You should have, you know, whatever. And just kind of work with him in those to kind of reinforce the type of things. So he f- appears to be coachable, but sometimes has that blackout moment where he's not. Yeah. Okay. So what? So, yeah, I mean, so that's the answer to the question is that there's just different. It depends on the it depends, for different folks. It depends on the vet, the quarterback that you're talking with and what his personality type. Um, but yes, I think coaching overall, if you can find what works for that player, I think that's ultimately what a leader is supposed to do yeah. to be able to coach different personalities or teach different people how to do things and, and work with what method works best for them. That is not an easy task. Very few people are good at it. So yeah, I think it has a big impact on quarterbacks, veteran or otherwise. All right. I, I, I agree. All right. So the other question... Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's cool, man. Go ahead. I'm rattling off your questions. Yeah, no, go, you, no, you go ahead. Okay, so my my next question for you, Mike, was uh, so Denver wore their color rush jerseys this week, the the orange All on orange. orange yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I'm obsessed with Cincinnati. They have the new the, the white helmets look so just cr- even Denver's helmets looked really cool too. I they were this them, like yeah. uh, blue like kind of uh, uh, I don't even know like glittery blue color like what i don't know why you would describe it but yeah they were very cool too um and yeah like what what do you what do you think of the color rush jerseys in general because i got people are really like hit or miss on like the seattle the whatever uh i forget what the action green yeah so generally i love them i, I always love an, a good alternative jersey uh, a good a new alternative like pant jersey combination a new helmet i think um like the Bills will wear like these all white helmets with with the logo. Sometimes a blue helmet with the logo. Um, the Raiders have a cool uh, color rush one where it's like all white head to toe with like the uh, gray um, numbers, the silver numbers. That really kind of it's a subtle it's a subtle look. Right. Um, one of my favorites this year was the Cardinals. Uh, what looked like black helmets. But when you looked really close, it was a really, really, really dark crimson. Yeah. With the, with sparkles on it, with that cherry like finish to the helmet. Yeah. I thought those were just outstanding. So um, generally speaking, on the good side, these things are amazing and just really creative. Yeah. On the other side, it's highlighter green for us, uh, for the Seahawks. It's, you know, Vikings just going yellow for stripes and and numbering on a, on a full purple uniform. It just, I don't know. That doesn't pop like the other ones do. How do you feel about throwback uniforms? Love them. I'd love to see a throwback too. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I know that Dallas generally on uh, Thanksgiving wears those old school, like just like the big star on the side of the helmet. Oh, and the white helmet and the, the yeah. old school jerseys. Like I love those. One those of my Dallas favorite. Cow- I hate the Cowboys, but those, those are like my favorite throwback jerseys ever. That, that 95, 75th anniversary, um, San Francisco 49ers with the white, with the white pants, full red with the, um, white numbers with the big, uh, blocking uh-huh. shadow blocking on yeah. that. I love those. I love those uniforms. 
Yeah, those we are, don't those see really Seattle's awesome. throwback. We I want need, to see some I want, Seattle throwback. I want them to just bring those back. Those were yeah. the. I love that old school. They uh, really, they really need to go back yeah. to those at least once a season. Yeah, that would be great. So, all right. Well, that's my. Uh, that's the Ask Mike segment. Are we moving on to hot uh, take corner? Take corner. It is. Um, we brought Zach Wilson watch back for you. For me, why are you pointing at me, man? I mean, you're the one that's <laughs> well, on you, Zach you had, Wilson ma- now. You had to make. You had to make a comment. Um, last week we took it off last week because I think we had made our point on what we thought Zach Wilson's uh, trajectory was and you had kind of wanted me to throw it back on there flip-flopped a little bit yeah well we'll just keep it in there we'll see this is not this is not anything to call Jeremy out in his really bad take or anything like that but I think this is fun Um, so he goes nine for 22 41 percent passing 77 yards and four sacks for 33 yards he's right on that eight yards a sack thing he is really keeping those numbers uh pretty high so that's that's really good respect there and 26 yards rushing that's uh your zach line for today so we're looking at justin fields watch aka fields of dreams um only 14 for 21 67 percent um he Passed for 153 yards, a touchdown, and a sack. Uh, I'm sorry, and an interception. Had four sacks for 25, 85 yards rushing, and a touchdown. So that rushing piece for him is just like the difference maker. And, uh, yeah, he's yeah, out there doing he, it for sure. Yeah, he's he's definitely making moves. So I, I'm He's fun to watch, man. Fun player to watch. So I had an interesting observation. Like I saw this player that was trying to like reach for um, like a first down when he got tackled. And it occurred to me that I don't see a lot of people. You remember back in the 90s when a running back would get tackled and he just reach over the ball over his head and like put reach it out as far as he could or whatever. And how often they um, they used to do that back in the day. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that I used to be a. I, I that, it was a really. Lot. That was a really big thing, man. I remember for all those years. Yeah. So. Bring that back. Yeah. All right. So, uh, did you? Have, I'm gonna go. I got one more, but did you have any other? Um. Hot, hot you takes? know what? The one. Uh, so I did have a couple uh, real quick ones. Um. And going back to the to the ask Mike section. Um. I, I'm curious as to how much it affects a team like we talked about like the QB coaching in, in particular, but when a guy like Brian Dable um, leaves Buffalo for New York and um, they're, they're throwing Ken Dorsey into the, into the fire um, as an offensive first time offensive coordinator or, um, you know, Shane Waldron leaves the Rams. Like it didn't have any direct impact the first year and like really the first half of this year. But I wonder like what, the continuity of the coaching staff. I wonder like when, when the, like as the head coach, when you start losing some of your top assistants, um, cause obviously the Rams are having a hell of a time this year scoring any points and they have a lot of injuries obviously, but the offense just doesn't seem like it's, it's not, not as creative anymore. And I know Sean McVay is kind of supposed to be the, the mastermind of the offense anyway, but they did lose Shane Waldron to Seattle, and he's doing some really innovative things with Geno Smith up here. Like, I wonder how much of an impact that had, and I wonder how much of an impact, you know, eventually that Ken Dorsey um, being the guy in, in Buffalo is going to have after, you know, having Brian Dable there for a few years prior. Yeah, I don't think um, – so 
Ken Dorsey, it's, I, I feel like they're fine. I think the decision-making of Josh Allen is where it's really held them back over yeah. these last couple of weeks, um, prior to this week, of course. But to your point, I, that's a, I would say that's a pretty big concern. Like You really have to be able to teach people and um, kind of bring people up from different positions. So if you have a quarterback mm-hmm. coach that you think is promising, you got to like – teach him how to be more than just a quarterback coach like what's what's the trajectory and you have to be honest with yourself you got to understand these people aren't going to stay in these same positions especially if they're really good at their job so what you would have to do is identify that talent like Dayball's really good at what he's doing. He's going to be a head coaching. Uh, he's going to have so a I head coach. So I'm going to start grooming somebody. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're going, hey, Dayball, can you take a look at this Ken Dorsey kid? I think he's got a lot of talent. He's coaching the heck out of our quarterbacks or whatever. Can you know? Can you work with him? Take him under your wing. You're going big places. You're really good at what you do, and I'm honored to have you here. But we know, we all know where this is going. Yeah. So let's let's start working and de- developing talent you know, that we have. And the big thing that I think general managers have to do is identify talent out there. Like, where is there that offensive coordinator that you can find? Like, where's that like offensive line coach or or whatever offensive passing coordinator that's, that could be the next guy. You have to do that with coaches as well as you do players. I think players are the same way. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, and then my, my one other, uh, kind of, um, conspiracy take, whatever hot take, uh, Tyler Columbus, who is a former offensive lineman in the NFL, I think you know, I know where you're going with is this. Is now on a local radio station in Detroit or in Denver, excuse me, uh, said that he's heard from multiple sources inside the Broncos organization that Russell Wilson calls the wrong audibles at the line of scrimmage, calling audibles and and uh, making calls and and using language that he that the Seahawks used. Columbus was also on the offensive line in Seattle. Right. Too. So yeah. That's, that's how he knows the. Right. Yeah. And so I, I just, it, I don't know what, I mean, is Russell Wilson just losing his mind? It, it, I mean, and melting down. And, and I heard somebody made an interesting comment saying that, you know, because like this whole time it's been, oh, Pete Carroll was wasting Russell Wilson and this guy was like, maybe the fact was just that Pete Carroll could see the flaws in Russell Wilson's game that Russell Wilson's ego wouldn't allow himself to see and just made, made game planned around it. Well, that and goes to that about what we said. You got to be able to, you got to be coachable. Right. So yeah, honest I mean, with yourself. Yeah, you got to be honest with yourself in life. If you're not honest with yourself in life, you could have like you can have that three five year moment like where you're an amazing employee and you're mm-hmm. you're making money hand over fist from like thirty two to thirty seven, and then you didn't evolve over that period of time, right. and now you're like not making sales, and everyone and you're arguing with people, and your fight new management comes in that you're not getting along with, and then you just melt down, and before you know it, you're uh, you know on the streets. Yep. So yeah, I mean, it's just that that's, that's shocking. If true, that's yeah. pretty shocking that he's still doing that. Um, I always consider him a smart, smarter kind of quarterback. But yeah. we'll, we'll see. I don't know if it's true. It, it would be terrible if it is, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, uh... All right. So I think this is a good opportunity for us to talk about uh, cross off teams. Okay. So for me, the magic number, I don't think anyone sub 500 obviously is going to be able to make the playoffs. And we got a bunch of teams that are right around there um so for the afc um after this week's play 
Here's my crossoff teams: Cleveland three and seven, Pittsburgh three and seven, Jacksonville three and seven, Houston one and eight, Las Vegas three and seven, and Denver three and seven. Any issues with what we have there in the AFC? No. Okay. Uh, NFC we have Chicago three and eight, Carolina three and eight, and the Rams three and seven. We're crossing off in week eleven the defending champions. That is shocking. Yeah. Because they and, and they look like and they could be the worst team in the NFL right now. I mean, like obviously they probably have more talent than than a lot of those teams other teams that we crossed off, but just I mean, they're the offense is done. I mean, they're toast. Yep. And even the defense, like when's the last time I've watched a, a few Denver or a few uh, Rams games this year, and I don't remember the last time I heard them call Aaron Donald's name. I thought, like I said, I thought they they played inspired defense early, and like it had uh, he was he was getting getting into the backfield a little bit, um, but you know, it just starts to grind on you over the the course of the game. Yeah. All right, now I do have some maybes. I wasn't ready to cross them off, so maybe we can have a conversation okay. about that. So in AFC, I have Indianapolis at 4-6-1 and one as a maybe. They're not, like, eliminated. They could go on a run, but this loss this week was pretty big. If they would have turned that around, 5-6-1, and six and one, a couple of games out uh, from behind uh, Tennessee, right. kind of right in there. Um, that's the only one I have for the AFC. Yeah, and if, uh, yeah, that, uh, I can see waiting on that. Um, and then the... Um, NFC, I have Detroit at four and six, Green Bay at four and seven, New Orleans at four and seven, and Arizona at four and seven. So yeah. I'm not ready to to kind of write off any of those teams quite yet. I mean, yeah, I saw. Um, and it's weird. They only. I mean, they must have only been able to fit one on the screen. But uh, I think uh, af, either after Monday Night Football, um, they had like the teams, like the the playoff picture in the NFC. And then the teams that were still in the hunt, and Detroit was the only like four and seven team that was uh, put down there. But that, I mean, that's what you're you're looking at other teams that are um, what six and four right now. Is is the the Seahawks are six and four as the seven seed? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's the Seahawks obviously could turn into a pumpkin in the next seven weeks and not even make the playoffs, but. Um, but yeah, their their range right now, the Seahawks is um, probably uh, third or seventh, anywhere in between right. there, depending on where we fall. Yeah, yeah. If, and, if, but if if Washington could catch up. Yeah, I mean, or they could be out. Right. Like I said, Washington's still right on our heels, and Atlanta even, and they have a they have a win against us. So that's why it's the first step. Win yeah. your division, you're in. Yep, absolutely. Well, yeah, I like it, man. I'm with those uh, those cross off teams, and well, I guess we'll make uh, a, some know, updates adds over the, to the li- yep. adds to the list as we go. All right, so now we've approached our diversity section. Um, last Friday, I believe, I, I was sitting in my living room on an iPad watching Draft Day. You hit HBO, um, <laughs> H- what is it, HBO Max? Yeah. And I was like, you know what, I'll watch it. So for those who don't know, it's a 2014 movie directed by Ivan Reitman. That follows the Cleveland Browns GM, Sonny Weaver, not a real person, uh, played by Kevin Costner, throughout the 12 hours leading up to the first pick of the NFL draft that year. With me so far? Yep. Okay. I've seen it. This movie hit all of the draft tropes. Can't miss big arm quarterback, tough, smart, and underrated player, 
uh, in this case, uh, played by Chadwick Boseman, RIP. He played uh, a player named Vontae Mack for Ohio State. Also a troubled offensive player that made a mistake, in this case got into a fight and was trying to repair his image. Played by the actual NFL running back, Arian Foster. Oh, yeah. All those tropes. Very funny. Um, there are many things that are problemat- problematic about this movie. It's uh, clearly directed by someone that didn't understand how the NFL works. So um, as good as there were some really interesting cuts and fades from, you know, as they were having conversations on the phone about players to make it interesting. It wasn't just watching Kevin Costner on a phone. You would have the other guy walking down the hall in a split screen that then would fade back into, you know, another. There's some clever like camera shots, I thought that they did. But for the most part, it didn't really make a lot of sense in reality. So the avatar for the audience was um, a character called Allie Parker, uh, no relation, uh, played by Jennifer Garner. Uh, They would insert her in a scene to explain some of the pieces of football history, uh, to put the male character in their place. She did that quite a bit uh, and helped drive uh, Kevin Costner's uh, character forward. How did you feel about her part in that that show? You know, it's been... You texted me that you were watching it, and you like then you started like insulting me with some quotes from it, and uh, <laughs> not really, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I was just like this guy. Like I was this this, this text must be from a quote from the movie <laughs> that Mike's just not telling me. <laughs> anyway, I, um, yeah, I had I to had reply like, it. oh my gosh, that that's out of context. I, 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 you know, I watched it when it first came out, and I, I think I don't think I ever, I still have not gone back and watched it, but I'm going to and. I, I just remember it being like a fun movie that probably nobody that doesn't like love the draft would even give a shit about. But I, yeah, I thought I, I just felt like the pieces fit for it. And like, yeah, I mean, she it's was a good 90 minutes to just enjoy. Yeah, it's just like something, something light and, and, uh, it's like moving so fast. Right. Um, right. And quit. But yeah, I, I mean, I like Jennifer Garner in it. I think, you know, maybe her role was. Like, I like Jennifer Garner as an actress. I think she's pretty good. But, I mean, that just, that role seemed a little bit. It it did. It certainly wasn't written for her talent. Yeah. But, yeah, it was definitely contrived. All right. So, there was this whole sequence where Sonny Weaver takes Vontae Mack with the first pick. And everyone goes crazy. The big arm quarterback drops to, like, seven or eight. Um, And then, somehow, Sonny Weaver works his, weaves his magic as it were, uh, for to get all of his future picks back from Seattle. He's just pillaging Seattle for picks. And uh, and they got David Putnam. That whole that whole scene was unrealistic. And poor Putnam, just a throwaway player in this deal, just like a pound of flesh. Not if I found out about that, it would suck. And I really didn't understand like the Sonny and Allie having a baby subplot. I'm not sure that needed to be there. It's like this vehicle to really make Sonny Weaver like deal with the death of his father, mm-hmm. deal with the stress of his job, deal with the stress of his relationship. And while all this chaos is going on around him, he nails the pick and builds the 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 stepping stone for the Cleveland Brown franchise for the next five or six years, I guess is what they were trying to say. But it was kind of like, eh. Now, mm-hmm. despite all of this, I've watched this movie at least a half a dozen times, and it's one of the all-time great bad movies. Um, question to you, though. <clears throat> Which team 
would go down in history as the best version of the Browns? The fictional version being run by Sonny Weaver or the actual Browns? I mean, I was good. I was hoping you were going to ask something like this because, yeah, I feel like I would go with uh, the Sonny Weaver Browns. They, they looked a lot better on paper yeah. than the actual Browns. Absolutely. All right. Cool. All right, my final one. Did you have anything? I got a pretty long one here, so if you, uh, yeah. Let me. I'll throw one in, and then you can do yours, and I'll throw. I have two actually, so okay. I'll do one, and you can do one, and we'll, then I'll do. It. All right, so my first one, uh, new four-part documentary series on Netflix called Pepsi. Where's my jet? You told me about this. Um, it's, I'm, it's flagged. Fan freaking tastic. It's about the uh, a young man named John Leonard who. Well, he's not young anymore, but as a 20-year-old in Linwood, Washington in 1995, when Pepsi came out with a new ad campaign with uh, Pepsi points where you could get t-shirts and Mm -hmm. sunglasses and all this random stuff, and uh, they had a commercial where they showed this kid, uh, you know, rolling out of, yeah, well, it showed the kid rolling out of bed, uh, putting on his Pepsi t-shirt, and it was like, Pepsi t-shirt, 80 points, and then he grabbed some sunglasses and uh, leather jacket and it was like sunglasses you know 75 points leather jacket 200 points and then all of a sudden he's like walking downstairs to go to school and then all of a sudden you see him landing his harrier jet out in front of his high school and everybody like oh god it says harrier jet seven million points and there was no uh disclaimer at the bottom saying you can't actually get a harrier not an actual jet. prize yeah and they so this kid ended up figuring out a way to get seven million Pepsi points and turning them in for a Harrier jet, and they were like, "We're not really. That was just a joke." Yeah. And he's like, "But you didn't have any, any uh, ac- you know, uh, any disclaimer on the, on the uh, advertisement. So how the hell am I gonna uh, not, you know, you guys owe me this jet." And, and he like did all the research uh, 7 million Pepsi points would only cost him about $400,000 give or take to, to come up like to buy that much Pepsi. Yeah. And then I think at one point Pepsi made a, uh, a deal where you could just buy points for like 10 points for a dollar or something like that. So he figured it out. Got, or, or just 10 cents a point. I mean, okay, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> anyway so he uh came up with the you know got some funding from somebody to to buy because oh and he looked up that he figured out that a harrier jet is like 32 to 40 million dollars like that's the cheapest harrier jet you can buy yeah and um (laughs) it's a fucking airplane yeah and so and he like he he called because he's in college at some like shoreline community college or something up in seattle and uh, he calls the like Department of Defense to find out if it's legal to have a Harrier jet, due diligence, of course, and uh, make sure that that's even something you could actually have. And they were like, "Yeah, as long as like the uh, the weapons are removed and the the, the de- radar de- the yeah, system, the and defense stuff like systems that. and the weapons, yeah, yeah." And so, um, oh, and now I'm blank. I didn't write down his name, but the, who was Stormy Daniels' lawyer against Donald Trump? Michael Cohen. No, not Michael Cohen. Uh, Oh, her lawyer. Yeah, her yeah, lawyer. I, I have no idea. Gosh, man, I can't remember his name now. But anyway, he he's uh, Michael Avenatti, and he is like he's he's now he's being I think he's on when they doc when they interview him in this documentary he's on house arrest because he's he tried to sue uh, Nike for uh, through the Zion Williamson thing for 
something, I don't know, saying that they knew that he was getting money ahead of time. Anyway, uh, young Michael Avenatti worked on this case, uh, which was very funny. And um, like half the people that were, were involved in it hated him and half the people that were involved with it loved him. Uh, it's just it's it's a it's an, a super entertaining four part documentary. It's only like forty minutes each episode, so it's you know a couple hours of a commitment. But it's it's definitely worth it. I it left me with a smile on my face and yeah, I'll, be, I'll definitely be checking it out. Like a lot of times with those, like like Angie will be doing like homework or something, and right. I'll just be able to knock out like thirty minutes or forty minutes of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth watching. I, I recommend it highly. So. Um, and they, the case ended up going on for years and uh, before. Well, before it was a boondoggle from the Pepsi side and from this kid's side. And like they, there well, was and, always points where people had messed something up or right. didn't see like a piece of the puzzle correctly. And it, that, it was like a perfect storm of yeah. idiocy that caused this. Well, and there's like, yeah, there's like a point where the guy that made the commercial said that he put the originally put 700 million Pepsi points, but the Pepsi executives thought that looked too jumbled on the screen. So they wanted it to be less. And so he put 70 million. It's like, there's no way you could have got 700 million Pepsi points. Um, well, I mean, maybe somebody would have figured it out. Millions of dollars. But anyway, yeah. So it would have been a great deal. It was pretty funny. plane for 700. Yeah. Cause anyways, yeah. For $7 million. Wait, hold on. At 700,000. At ten no, cents a pop. Million, I'm sorry, seven hundred million. million. Sorry, seven hundred million at ten cents a pop. That's seventy million. That's twice the price of, of, the, jet, of the jet. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't do that deal. No, you just I don't go think buy the so. jet if you had right. Seventy Third, million. Yeah, seventy million. Go, just go get a jet. I'll just go buy a jet. Anyway, all right. Well, what was your uh, what was your next one? So uh, this last week, um, a person named Elizabeth Holmes was convicted of eleven years and uh, two months for securities fraud. Um, for those who don't know who she is, Elizabeth Holmes was a 19, uh, she was 19 years old when she founded a medical technology company called Theranos. She did that in 2003. She had a great idea um, to create a blood testing device that could test small amounts of blood. This was important because currently you have to like have three or four vials to be able to um, test all the, to, to do all the tests that you need to. Um, also, in addition, this device was like self-contained and supposedly allowed the medical facility to run several tests um, in one place with very small amounts of blood. It was, for all intents and purposes, a breakthrough. Over the course of the company's growth, she amassed about $700 million in VC and private funding. Um, then things started to go weird in 2015 as a result of some journalistic and regulatory investigations. It was found out that Elizabeth Holmes had been knowingly misleading inve- uh, investors, medical authorities, and regulatory agencies. Both Holmes, the CEO at the time, and Sonny Balwani, the COO, were charged with fraud in 2018. Eventually, Holmes was convicted on four counts of wire fraud and conspiracy and in November of this year, sentenced to 11 years and three months in prison. Sorry, it's three months, not two months. Now, I'm not saying that she was innocent. I watched this HBO documentary on this, and it really did seem like she did all this shit and lied about it. I mean, it's pretty clear. Yeah. Um, but and Or I'm not saying that 11 years isn't consistent or commiserate with you know someone being convicted of a similar crime. I'm not saying it's outrageous. I'm not saying she's innocent. 
But what I am saying is it seems like they're piling on with her. So let's take a look at a couple of scenarios where a CEO got less time or no time uh, that did other variations of things. So former Boeing CEO Dennis Mullenberg oversaw Boeing during the 737 MAX groundings. Are you aware of this? Yeah. All right. So I won't go into the details of why this thing was crashing, but he knowingly hit, hid the fact that they added a new feature to the autopilot system, which contributed to two plane crashes and many dead, leading Senator Elizabeth Warren to say 346 people died. And yet Dennis Mullenberg pressured regulators and put profits ahead of safety of passengers, pilots, and flight attendants. He walked away with an additional $62.2 million in his bonus. Um, that is corruption, plain and simple. So that's from uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren. So basically, a guy right. gets no no time, no no jail time, no nothing. Probably given a golden parachute. He was given $62 million yeah. to, to leave, basically. So that's one guy that mm. did, in my opinion, way worse, killing almost 500 people um, because of his decisions and didn't get a, a day in jail. Kareem uh, Sarah Gelden, uh, the global head of Credit Suisse um, Structured Credit, uh, was the only American to serve jail time as a result of the 2008 financial crisis. He was an G- Egyptian-born citizen, though. Uh, he served two years. So not one single person in any of the investment banks that caused the collapse of our economy, not just the United States, but world economy. Yeah. Not one of them served jail time here. Not, not one American uh, served jail time. The only person they can get with anything was a Egyptian-born guy. Right. Yeah. Let's throw this out. Total cigarette company CEOs convicted of their RICO charges? Zero. <laughs> they colluded to basically yeah. create uh, lies about how the, the negative effects of, right. of their product. All right. And finally, uh, Michael Milken. You ever heard of this guy? I've heard the name. Okay. He was, a, he? he was an American financier who was famous for developing, for the development of the high yield bond market. Those are called junk bonds on the, mm-hmm. on the streets. Uh, he was in part the uh, inspiration for Oliver Stone's character, Gordon Gecko in right. the 1987 movie, Wall Street. He was charged with 98 counts of racketeering and fraud. The indictment accused Milken of a litany of misconduct, including insider trading, stock parking, which is concealing the real owner of the stock, tax evasion, and numerous instances of repayment of illicit profits. Uh, He took a plea deal, served 22 months in prison. He is now the 412th richest person in the world with an estimated net worth of $6 billion. Jesus Christ. So again, I believe Elizabeth Holmes is guilty for what she did and deserves some jail time. But but it seems like they're throwing the buck at her when you have just, just endless examples of male, white, CEOs that have done at least equal, if not mm-hmm. worse, things that get no jail time, they get they get no fines, right. and in fact walk away with more money than they they came in with. Sounds kind of shitty to me. It does for sure. All right, you had wow. one last one. Uh, yeah. So this last week, um, I got a buddy of mine, Eric. I know Mike. Mike likes to make fun of me when I call my friends my buddy. Uh, yes, yeah, so my buddy Eric uh, took me to a got me some uh, 
we got a, us a pair of tickets for the Portland Trailblazers versus Brooklyn Nets game. I was jelly uh, in in Portland this last weekend. First time I've got to go to an NBA game since the Sonics left in 2007. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I, I went to that preseason game earlier uh, in October, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's definitely not it was the, the first regular first regu- regular season wow. NBA game I've seen since 2007. Uh, first time I got to see Kevin Durant in person because actually I didn't even go to a game that last season in uh, in Seattle because I was so pissed off that they were leaving. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I uh, first time getting to see Kevin Durant play in person. Uh, ben Simmons was uh, that guy is way bigger than I thought he was. Yeah, just, you were telling me he, he just, just looks a, massive he out looks there. Massive, yes. Uh, it was a great game. Royce O'Neal uh, tipped the ball in to, for the Brooklyn to win the game on, at the buzzer. But it was a you know great game, great great atmosphere, a lot of fun. Um, you know the uh, the black Israelites were out in front of the stadium protesting uh, for Kanye and Kyrie Irving. It was pretty crazy. Uh, I had to like I literally had to roll right through the middle of these guys. It was like it was pretty unnerving feeling. So like they had like like fifty guys like in a big circle, like kind of taking up this little center area, and I had to like squeeze like right in between them any issues with that no they just part of the way they just moved for me but i was kind of like nodding like yeah man all right all right yeah like hey i'm okay with people protesting yeah it's it's part of part of our the way this works i guess yeah it was just it was a a crazy atmosphere but i had a lot of fun and yeah i can't wait for the sonics to come back so i can get up to another uh NBA game soon. So. I've been up a couple of times um, to watch into the Rose Garden to kind of watch the Trailblazers play. Yeah. It's it's always been a fun fun time. Yeah, next year I really want to. Um, I I saw that the Phil Knight Classic is going to be at the Rose Garden over the Thanksgiving weekend uh, coming up here, and they're having like a who's who. It's like Duke and North Carolina are going to be there. Um, I think Michigan State, uh, the West Virginia. There's a ton of teams that are going to be playing in this thing, like high-level NBA basketball uh, or NCAA basketball, which would be a lot of fun too. So, yeah, just no way in hell I'm getting away from Thanksgiving. But I that know. sounds like it'd be a fun trip. <laughs> it would be. All right, all right. Well, we that's uh, yeah, that's it, man. I'm looking forward to to week 12 here, and uh, yeah, Mike, we will be back at it. Jeremy, there's no such thing as a sure thing. At the end of the day. The only thing that matters is what you say in this podcast. All right. With that, we will talk to you guys next week. Please like, rate, review, listen, share, all that good stuff. Uh, We will uh, be back next week, and we appreciate you all listening. Thanks.